Welcome to the American Institute of Stress's official podcast, Finding Contentment. The goal of this podcast is to highlight new information about stress and stress management techniques. While we understand that stress is a very personalized issue and different for everyone, we hope to help you find your own way to contentment. All right, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Finding Contentment. This is your host and executive director for the American Institute of Stress. It's Will Heckman. Thanks again for joining us once again today. Hopefully, you've been following this podcast. Uh, For those of you who are joining us for the first time, these podcasts focus on stress and stress-related issues. Uh, Please remember that you can follow us on stress.org. Make sure you go there and uh, see all the things we do. And folks, Before we get started, I really need to uh, ask a favor. Um, I need to ask you to consider helping out AIS. We're a nonprofit organization. So the way you can help is by making a donation. If you just go to stress.org, you can find out how to make a donation to us. We appreciate it. Every dollar helps. It helps us in our mission. And our mission is to improve the mental and physical health of the community and the world by setting the standard of excellence of stress management, education, research, clinical care, home life, and the workplace. And we educate and credential professionals, and we offer products and educational tools for everyone. We also publish two magazines. One is Contentment. The other one's combat stress for vets and first responders is the main focus, but there's a lot of good stuff in that for you and I also. Also, I want to remind you to check out our website to see some outstanding webinars that we have that are always free to members and also past episodes of this show, which we soon hope to have on YouTube. So make sure you go to YouTube channel and check out what we have available there. So there's some really great uh, trailers of our uh, documentary uh, mismatch and, and a bunch of other stuff. All you have to do is go to YouTube, look for the American Institute of Stress, and you'll find us. All right, so let's get to today's topic. It's always important. And we're talking about how we talk to our kids about stress. Uh, You know, according to the APA, the American Psychological Association, they have an annual stress in America survey, like we need that survey. It says that many Americans, both adults and young, report experiencing significant stress. I know you're shocked. Uh, As adults, you and I, well, we can more readily identify feelings and, and causes of significant stress. We also consider ways how to manage it. Hopefully healthy ones, although not always. Our kids, however, may not recognize the signs of stress or how to respond and cope effectively. Often they choose unhealthy management strategies. I've seen it for decades as a teacher. And as parents and other adults, we can offer constructive assistance and provide empathy and understanding. You know, by knowing what to listen to and watch for. And by seeking out opportunities to engage in conversations with our children of all ages, we can help our kids to have a better handle on life's challenges and the stresses. Research shows that how we talk about stress makes a big difference in how we experience it. Most of us were not taught that or any other principles or skills for that matter, and how to help us negotiate real life and all its challenges and stresses. 
I come from the generation that told us to just well, walk it off or man up, rub some dirt on it once in a while came up. Well, guess what? That doesn't always work. You know, this whole COVID situation certainly has illuminated our shortcomings when it comes to that, leaving almost everyone more stressed. You may not be able to prevent your kids from feeling stressed or frustrated, sad, or even angry, but you can provide the tools they need to help cope with those emotions. So how can we leverage this latest research and help empower our kids and ourselves in the face of all this stress? I don't know. <laughs> so I asked someone who does. <laughs> Our guest today is my friend, Cynthia Ackrell. And Dr. Cynthia Ackrell is a leader in the field of leveraging stress for optimal productivity, health, and happiness. And, and with a background in primary care and advanced training and applied neuroscience, which she calls looking under the hood, she also has certifications in wellness and leadership coaching. Uh, she combines the science of human performance with wisdom, humor, and heart to address the critical relationships between thinking styles and behavior choices, performance capacities, and leadership effectiveness, also health and joy, and, and a deep career life satisfaction, which many of us lack. She's also the editor of the American Institute of Stress's Contentment Magazine, which you can find right now for free. Everyone listening, go to stress.org, look for Contentment Magazine. You can see it for free. And she also is on the faculty of multiple leadership and coaching programs. She contributes wildly to media, including appearances on Katie Kirk, CNN, Today Show, and Huffington Post. And we are proud to have her as a fellow of AIS. Welcome, Cindy. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you is because in the last issue of Contentment Magazine, you wrote a great article set, uh, titled Talking to Your Kids About Stress. So the, the first thing I wanted to ask you is how do or how does stress affect kids differently than adults? And it, it affects all of us in physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual ways. And by spiritual, I mean that feeling of connectedness or meaning. But for kids, that may manifest a little more differently. First of all, as you said earlier, they're not as aware of what's going on. They take everything personally. They're <laughs> sweet little egocentric things. <laughs> and, and stress, even as adults, stress makes us feel alone as if we're the only person suffering whatever the challenge is. Um, and that's amplified for kids because they have a lot less wisdom or perspective in life. So it can show up by changes physically, just like us, like headaches, stomach aches. Um, you can show up as regression in maturity, bedwetting, um, acting out a lot more than had been social withdrawal, school avoidance or avoidance of particular activities, friends, um, a change in friends, change in eating, change in bowel habits even. Um, and they don't understand the connection of the mind and the body for that. You know, actually adults don't understand it very well. So <laughs> they're coming by it honestly, but they really don't. And so helping them with that can be really powerful to understand. I think we've seen a lot of resistance to discussing stress with kids partially because 
as we know at AIS, we got, we weren't taught the right mm -hmm. stuff about this. We just weren't. I mean, I went to medical school, got totally stressed out. And nobody could tell me a thing to do. No other physician could tell me what to do as I watched everybody burn out. Right. Um, so luckily, AIS is vetting the science that's coming along with this so that we can find out what really does work and then we can share it with our kids. But I think there's a resistance when you feel, I think as parents, we feel like we need to know everything about something before we can impart it to our kids or before we can help our kids. And that's not the case. I mean, we can be in this journey with them and learn some ways to talk about it where we're kind of partnering in the exploration of what we can do about the challenges of life and how they make us feel. You know, you made a really good point. It's, it's a journey. It's, it's yeah. not like, you know, you push a button and the stress goes away. It doesn't happen Where that, is that way. Button? Yeah, I, would. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I, I think, you know, if I had that button, I don't know if I would push it because stress yep. is a great learning tool also. Yeah, uh, it is. And, and speaking of which, we know our kids learn by watching the adults in their lives. So yes. what I wanted, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and especially the adults, the kids are most close to their parents, their grandparents, their teachers, other adults that they literally share their lives with. How does their stress, those adults, how does that stress play a role in the kids' stress? If you remember being a little kid and you wanted something. It's been and a long time. Yeah, <laughs> well, I still want stuff. <laughs> but you learned as a little kid to completely read your parents' moods because you knew whether it was time, well, this is way before my time to ask for an Xbox or not. You know, I, I probably wanted a pinky ball or something. But Ooh, pensy or pinky. A paddle ball. <laughs> but you knew how to read your parents' moods for safety. Uh, especially sadly for some kids, that's really important for safety. You knew how to read adults for convenience and for things that you wanted. We discount our kids' ability to read adults, but it's a skill that they learn very quickly for their own preservation. And because of mirror neurons that we all have as humans, we actually physically pick up on somebody else's stress. So one of the first things to do is to name that elephant in the room instead of having our kids worrying about our stress, absorbing our stress, to re recognize that they're picking up on it. Um, I do this thing in workshops with leadership and I'll ask people how they know when they're stressed and then I'll ask them how their kids know when they're stressed and almost everybody can answer it. You know, my daughter will say, you're doing that thing with your eyes <laughs> or, you know, you're snapping at me. <laughs> it's, um, and, you know, our kids know how to read this. So we need to help them know what to deal with all this stuff that they're reading and right. demystify it that it's not some strange thing out there that could be attacking us all. Mommy's not all upset because there's a monster outside the door. Um, there are true challenges in life that push us to our limits and we need to figure out the tools and techniques to deal with it. So by demystifying it and de-demonizing it, you know, it's not the be all and end all to feel stressed. As you said earlier, there are things we can learn. 
the greater our toolbox and the greater our understanding of it, the more power we have and the less it bothers us, the more it helps us just grow. And we can help our kids with that, but it takes being intentional and looking at your own relationship with stress first. That's a, that's a really good point. You know, kids really can tell what we're feeling. And if you don't think they can, why do you think they go to dad instead of mom for certain things and mom instead of dad for certain things? They know like, Oh, that's having a bad day. Mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which my usual response was, I don't know, go ask your mother. And you're right. We talk about the elephant in the room with our kids and we should, but should we talk about stress with our kids? It's a, it's a, I think every parent struggles with that depending on the age can they really understand it if I explain why I'm so stressed out? Now, I know that a teenager's capacity to understand their stress has to be different than a 10-year-old. I, I not only, I, I mean, I don't have both, but I have experience with both. I was a high school teacher. My wife's a fifth grade teacher. We talk about kids constantly. Well, we don't talk about teenagers anymore because I'm not doing that anymore, but they're, they're, capacity to understand and manage their stress is is different so it is. Do, should we talk to them about it or do i'm on yes. the fence <laughs> yes and in an age-appropriate way um we do not need to explain to a 10 year old that i might lose my job and that's why i'm really stressed and you know mommy and daddy are considering a divorce you might want to sit in the other room for a while while we argue No, don't do that. But you can begin age appropriately to share different parts of it. I think some of the the key principles of that are that, you know, that demystifying it is that life is full of challenges. First, get rid of the expectation that we shouldn't feel badly at some points in life or that we shouldn't struggle with some things that come along through life. Almost any age can understand that sometimes we don't feel right. And when we can start to tease that apart and realize what doesn't feel right, why doesn't it feel right, and what can I do to feel okay again, from the inside out, instead of waiting to get an acknowledgement from a teacher or a parent, um, starting to connect my mind and my body's feelings can start at every age. I mean, we can teach two-year-old to take a deep breath and ask them what feels different now. Right. We used to tell them, okay, stop, take a breath. Tell me what the problem is. (laughs) I remember, you know, I did elementary school for a while too, and and, and we sure did that. And I, I know we want to make our kids resilient. We want to make our kids strong and be able to, to handle uh, real life problems and and the stress that comes at them constantly. Yeah. But are there uh, times when we should should not just shield them? I, you know, it, it, my go to is I you know I I don't want to I don't want to stress my kid out worse. So like I, I'll I'll shield her from what's really going on and, and the stress in my life because I I feel guilty. I feel like it's adding to this. Do we shield shield them or do we tell them? You know, I think that's a situation by situation thing. Um, What's your child's capacity for handling it? How, what are, what's the relationship that you have is, you know, are your boundaries healthy that you understand 
that, you know, this is something daddy's stressing about that doesn't really, you don't need to stress about this for daddy. I have this. I'm just preoccupied by it a little bit right now, but I will figure out how to do this, convey the confidence. Right now, I'm just curious about what my options are. Um, We don't need to tell our kids everything. No, but if they can pick up on the fact that we're stressed, we need to share something about what's going on. They don't need to know the details. They don't need to know what's at risk for them because of course they take it all personally. They need to know that they're not the cause of it because that's their their go-to assumption is they are the cause of what's going on. So they need to understand that other things happen in the world that don't have anything to do with them, may affect them remotely, but you're the adult and you're you're taking care of this because that's your job. But sometimes that job is a lot and you feel things from it and they may notice that. And I think that's a safe way of saying, you know, it's, it's about getting strong. It's about figuring out really clearly what's at risk, what I, what my choices are and what I can do about it and building a tool belt, sharing what you have found. You know, the last time I was this stressed out, I did this and it really helped. Um, mm-hmm. I've also done this and it really didn't help. Yeah. You know, I binged watch TV in with a large bag of M&Ms. Unfortunately, at the end of that, my stress was worse. Really? That always helps me. Darn it. I know. Yeah, that was my answer to medical school, (laughs) M&Ms. But it really needs to be age appropriate. But there's some principles underlying all of our communications that we can stick to that make those decisions easier. Are we empowering them with what we say? Are we making them stronger or are we dumping on them? Dumping on them is no help to anybody. (laughs) You know, Um, but I'm, you know, I know between my mother and I, we can really tell when the other one's stressed. And until we share, there's an added tension to it. Well, that's a good point. You know, like you say, they can tell you're stressed. You might want to filter it a little. And yeah. that's what that means. That's and that's a normal thing to do. And again, it depends on their age, how much you want to share with them. Um, I personally think it's important for them to understand what is going on, to see them, to to for them to be able to see that there is a way out too. That it, it is manageable. It is not the end of the world. And you know, kids can be dramatic <laughs> and, and <laughs> you know it's oh my god my my like you said my xbox broke my life is over no not yeah. really you, got, you know or when they get older my car broke down daddy can you fix it so it, it's to teach them that there is a way through that stress is really important and, and filtering it how much we want to share with them and show us that we, we were successful just like everything else that we teach them shows them a little bit more on how to be successful. I want to, you know, something occurred to me and I, and I want to ask you this. I, we, you talked about, you know, it's gotta be age appropriate. Understood. Makes sense. It's just common sense. You don't talk to a 10 year old, like you talk to a, even a 14 year old, those four years in that, in their life is a big change. What about gender? Do you think that plays a role in in the way kids react to stress or the way they handle stress? To be really careful with that topic. I understand. (laughs) There there are gender 
tendencies to handling stress. The female tends to have more oxytocin in re response to stress, which makes us bond more. And our coping strategies that are effective for genders may be somewhat different. The principles are still the same. We need to breathe. We need to move. Right. We need to do things that help us get safe in a situation. I think as much as it's gender specific, it's also child specific. There are different personalities to kids. And so building up your own kids' strengths, you know, notice, helping them learn to notice what works for them, where their strengths come out if they're old enough to even do a strengths assessment together and right. notice, you know, this is what I bring to the table. I'm the more creative one in the family and I love to brainstorm the ideas of what we could do. Whereas I'm the more pragmatic one. I'm going to keep track of all the details because if I have a list, I feel safer. Um, you know, learning your own child's responses and having them own them, having them own their strengths becomes really important. And I, you know what? I, I, I agree with you. I don't think gender plays as much a role as people think it does. And that's really why I asked the question, because people think, oh, you know, teenage girls are this and teenage boys are, you know, this. Uh, guys, I've worked with both. And I'm telling you, you can plug one into other thing. Boys act out a certain way. No, they don't. No, there's no specific way boys act out. Sometimes they act like anyone else, and so do the girls. And it's my daughter has acted out in ways that I that you would not expect, and like you said, specific to that child. And yeah. I also think you're right that uh, recognizing the way they're handling that stress and where they're the creative ones or something that should be celebrated. I always thought that, you know, that, you know, that positive reinforcement, that's the educator in me coming out, works wonders. So if, if they're able to handle that stress in a, in a healthy way, I, I celebrate that too. Did great. As you were talking earlier, something occurred to me that is another principle that I strongly believe in, especially as a coach, is that as a parent, we don't have to have all the answers for our kids. That's not our job to have all of the answers. We certainly want to. It feels really cool when you fix something for your kid or for anybody else. We love to, to fix things for people, but it's really not our job. And we don't have to have all the answers about the, the stress or the situation or whatever, but we can ask more than we tell. Hmm. The more you ask your child what their experience of it is, then your answer to them is tailored to what they need not what we think we should be saying. We are so often totally out of, I want the wrong term here. We are <laughs> so, so often completely wrong about what's going on. Clueless. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So unless we ask more and ask and ask, um, we're not going to find out what the real deal is. And, you know, you're right. Kids tend to act out and they're not going to, adults do this too. You know, we blow up when somebody cuts us off in traffic. And what we're really mad about is a conversation we had two hours ago. Mm. You know? Right. And right. We don't connect it. So how do we expect them to? But we can help with that by asking the right questions. And, you know, just as they say about sex education, you know, find out where your kid is with this before you start dumping it on there. 
that's good advice. <laughs> you know, that's, that's good advice. You know, don't have a conversation with a kid about stress and unless they're really stressed. Yeah. Why, why bring it up? Like if they're happy and yeah, going along. But it's cool to reflect just that, you know, this morning I got all bent out of shape over something. And then I remembered this and I got my perspective back and I realized that this was a little thing, not a big thing. And this is how I did it. Modeling it. Right. Um, I think modeling curiosity is also really, really important. Um, our kids learn by what we do more than what we say. We all know that. Um, sometimes we wish it were not the case, <laughs> but, um, you know, they notice when we, when we start drinking too much because we're stressed out, but they also would notice if we start getting really curious and writing down what the problem is and doing a brainstorm on what we could do about it. Um, or asking ourselves, you know, why is this really bothering me? What am I feeling? Is it risk? As humans, we all want to be safe. Right. And when we can trace the conversation back to what doesn't feel safe and how we can get there, it becomes really powerful. It's funny. You mentioned something before that I suffer from greatly, and I freely admit it. And that is when something goes wrong and I can't fix it for my kid. And it really that, that I, I would say that's probably my top stressor in my life. Yeah. And there's not a darn thing I could do about it except accept it, you know, that I'm yeah. not going to be able to. Yeah. So the parents out there, if you're listening, um, it's not just about how you talk to your kids about their stress and your stress. It's also about accepting some things that just you can't do anything about. I think it's one of the hardest parts of parenting. And that's why I started this series for this fall, because right. our kids are stressed, but we're also stressed and we don't feel very good at it. So how the heck do we make them feel good about it? And I think the worst stress of parenting is seeing your child in, in distress. It's right. terrible. And I tried to train myself when she was young. I used to tell my wife, no, you got to let her fail in a padded room. You know, yeah. it's just, that's the way to learn, but yeah, Easier said should, yeah I should have taken my own advice. Okay. So what I really wanted to ask you about is because in the last uh, couple of years, things have changed a lot for kids, the way they go to school, the way they deal with their friends, the way they communicate with people, whatever COVID right, wrong. I don't really care. All I care about is that there's a new kind of overwhelming wave of stress that I see going not only for adults through workplaces and things like that, but through our kids. And that concerns me a lot. Do you, do you have some strategies that we could do to maybe, or, or maybe some skills we could work on with them? Like you said, I don't want to, I don't want to be preemptive and bring up the stress if it hasn't happened yet, but ongoing, I'd like to teach kids how to be more resilient. How do we do that? I actually would push back on that. Get preemptive. I mean, oh, don't okay. dive into a stressful situation, but it is easier when they're calm and happy to talk about what you would do in a situation. Um, Good point. What have you learned so far that makes you strong? What's in your tool belt? Um, depending on the age of the kids, like, you know, what superpowers do you have in the face of life? You know, if you were going to build a cape or a tool yeah. belt, 
what goes in it, you know? Um, and just the superpower of awareness, learning to connect mind and body, self-calming, demonstrating them in maybe it's a reflection after they've been bent out of shape over something. You know, you cannot have a rational conversation with your child in the middle of a temper tantrum. And I just love talking that in public, you know, you're in the grocery store and this mother's, you know, like explaining that there's not enough nutrition in the cereal box while the child's kicking and screaming, they can't have that cereal. Did that child process anything that mother said? No, it made the mother feel better in the moment. Right. (laughs) So, but you can demonstrate later when they calm down and have the conversation, how much easier it is to have a conversation to think of things when you're not upset. And that you have this ability to breathe yourself out of upset to get smarter, that your brain works better when you get calm and you can come up with better ways to do things. So just little pieces like that can really add up to recognize that in the moment you need to use a different superpower. This is not the one. It's, it's, I love that you're calling up superpowers because the kids will so relate to that. You know, it's, and one of the things that you mentioned, it, it's such a hard thing to teach kids. And um, I think it's really port- important is self-calming. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I had to learn that myself. Me too. You, you yeah. know, everybody has to learn how to take a moment, stop, reflect, reframe all the stuff we talk about. But when you're eight, you know, we have to... It, use different vocabulary to explain it to them. And I, and you know, I think you're right. I think talking to them when things are good and things are calm and, and uh, maybe discussing this superpower is the way to go. You know, there are thanks to, I'm grateful to COVID for one thing. It's, it's just been horrendous, but (laughs) it has made this topic much safer to discuss. It has finally made it okay for even super achievers to say, I'm stressed, I'm tired, (laughs) enough's enough. So we can finally have some conversations that will, according to the mission of our organization, improve our well-being for everybody. So the topic is out there. Let's bring it to our kids. Let's not repeat, you know, let's not pass on this legacy of wearing stress as a badge of courage or sweeping it under the carpet. Let's make it something real that can be dealt with as you learn skills throughout life and change the expectations because expectations like your expectation that I should be able to fix everything for my daughter. You know, it's not right, but it's I know, and I still think it, <laughs> you know, it's like my expectation of what kind of doctor I was going to be and how perfect life was going to be. Yeah. Right. Um, that didn't serve me, <laughs> but we can help kids start to recognize that with some questions. You know, what did you think should happen? Who do you think you should be in this? Who do you want to be in this? Um, what kind of friend do you want to be? How does that feel? You know, the questions have such power, little bit at a time, because, you know, we tend to want to inundate our kids and make sure we fixed it completely. Um, And that's just not the path. It's a journey. You're so right. And that's one of the reasons at stress.org that we have special sections for kids with stress, young adults with stress. You can find it there. They're on our tabs and stuff like that. And it's also why Dr. Diacro is writing a series of kids in stress 
and all of you guys who are listening, I expect you to read this uh, issue of contentment because that, that article is in there and it's really great. Cindy, I, I want to thank you for doing this today. I mean, we could obviously we could talk about this for a long time. By the way, if you're listening to this, I have uh, hoodwinked, I mean, uh, convinced uh, Dr. Ackrell to do a webinar for us. Uh, and so you'll have to go on our site and see when that is and make sure you register for it. It is going to be phenomenal. Cindy's very entertaining and certainly very knowledgeable as a leader in the field of stress management. So you, you're going to want to see that. Cindy, thank you. Thank you oh, for always pleasure. joining. I always love talking to you. You make me laugh. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I want to leave one little pearl. Please. That, um, it sounds funny, but <laughs> Pinterest. If your kids are stressed, check out Pinterest on this topic. There are some amazing tools and feeling charts and games to play with kids and breathing techniques. Yeah. Such creative moms have been out there and creative teachers coming up with little tools that will just inspire you. First of all, let you know that everybody's dealing with this. And secondly, find what works for your kid. That's, and that is a pearl. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Um, the worst thing you can do about stress is do nothing. Yes. So don't just sit there and say, oh, God, she's in a mood again, or he's in a mood again. Uh, my kid is just going off the rails. No, do something about it. Do, you know, be be proactive. Listen to Cynthia Acro. <laughs> Read her articles. Find <laughs> out something to do. I want to thank you for joining us again today. Uh, and again, if you want to find out more about Cindy and the great work she does, just go to CynthiaAcro.com or to stress.org and you'll find her there too. But uh, if you go to those two sites, you'll find out a lot more information and a lot more things that you can do about this more than that, than we can cover in one podcast. All right. That's going to be it for today. This has been your host, Will Heckman. I want to thank you again for joining us today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, send in those reviews. I most of the time love hearing from you guys. And uh, again, remember that your support helps make these podcasts and all the rest of what we do possible. And just as we said, this is stress is different for each of us. There is no one stress reduction or management strategy that is right for everyone. So that means you need to join us next time as we explore more stress management strategies and insights. And remember, again, visit stress.org, gather information, gather those tools and techniques. And I hope the information that you heard from Dr. Ackrell and myself today will help you to live a healthier, happier and maybe even a longer life. Good day, everyone.